and start the podcast now. Game of elbows. Ross is recording the call. He's saying front page podcast, but that's not the name at all. (laughs) Yeah, front page podcast is the name. This is episode four. Um, Get another special guest on today. Let's tell him who it is. One of you. What? It helps if your microphone doesn't just disappear halfway through a sentence. Oh, did you hear what I said? No. <laughs> oh, should we, should we do it again? Let's just, let's just re- rewind a bit. Do you want what to make like, the rewinding sounds? Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, go on, let's do the sounds again. Go on, right, Ross, introduce. Let's just flash back completely. Episodes for the Front Page Podcast. Special guest, who's coming on? It's your boy Eric Anders. That is who he's coming on. Is he is he known for being uh, part of the Thunderbirds? Is that honestly? Just the Thunderbirds put you in front of me. Pure spontaneity. I was going to say spontaneity then, but that's not even a word, is it? It's not. No. I do. Eric Anders has been questioned about his Thunderbirds membership before. That can be. That can be a good one for him. Yeah, well, maybe we'll end up um, at the end of this podcast and he still hasn't been asked that question. So, mm, yeah. That's, prob- that's probably how we'll end up there. But, yeah. Right, so, a couple of things from the past week. Kevin Gaston, Darren Till, MSG. That's probably the biggest actual fight news that we've had this week. Um, there's yeah. been obviously other things, but a lot of people, kind of 50, well, a lot of people 50-50 on whether it's a good thing for Till to come into the middleweight division against someone like Gastelum. I've seen it as quite overwhelming negativity, to be honest. Well, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Which I kind of I kinda, kinda see the logic in. Yeah, I see the logic in, in it, but also I'm, I, I see the logic in the actual fight more. So I think it's a good thing. We haven't seen down until 185 either, so he could go in and just mop the floor with Gastelum. Yeah. What's the thing? Gastelum was a was a 170 as well. I mean, it's not like he's coming in to a middleweight fight against someone who's been known at 205 or anything like that either. He's, you know, Gastelum, he was a big 170 and failed weight a bunch of times. But and so it's Till. Yeah, Till's like walked around like 205 pounds sometimes. So. Yeah. So I don't see the size of Gastelum or the strength of Gastelum being too much of a problem. As long as he puts the chin away. <clears throat> yeah. And obviously the good everything. thing for Till is that if he wins, he's already in title contention, or at least yeah. in the conversation. I think if, he, if he beats Gastelum, it'll be one more, I reckon, and then title shot. Yeah. Especially if, uh, you know, if Adesanya or Whitaker, you know, if they get beaten handily in the title fight, then there might not be a rematch on the horizon for, for the loser of that one. You know, it's, it's wide open apart from that. Definitely. Just depends. Who, who, who do you think a match try that again. Who do you think that he matches up better against out of um, Whitaker and Adesanya? I'd, th- I'd take him to beat Adesanya over Whitaker, I would say. Probably, probably. Just yeah. because I think uh, Whitaker's. I mean, I like Whitaker more anyway. I think Whitaker will beat Adesanya without too much trouble. But I think Adesanya is good and accurate, and you know, he's a really great striker, obviously. But he's um, more accurate than powerful. I think maybe it's fair to say. Adesanya. Um, 
Yeah, Adesanya. I mean, obviously Whitaker brings quite a lot of punching power, but yeah. Um, so if he you know, he could get caught, Till I mean could get caught and it might not finish him. Whereas you know, obviously we saw with Masvidal, we might see against Whitaker as well at some point that one of one of those shots might be enough to put him down. Were you going to speak there, Coley? I'm I'm just in a bit of shell shock. Sorry, the best <laughs> thing that's ever happened to me has just happened. And I'm actually going to cry. What would that be? Cage Warriors have just followed me on Instagram. <laughs> and offered me tickets to the Unplugged event in London. That's amazing. I'm absolutely gassed out my face. I'm, at, <laughs> you, I'm actually going to go... No, I'm not going to go on video so you can see my face. But I'm so... I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry for interrupting. But I'm so light. I've got... I'm sorry. I'm well, so yeah, sorry. MMA news, that is. That's... Uh, but that's after, Interrupt with the Whitaker and Adesanya conversation. Um, I think Adesanya's got, like Matt's saying there, stylistically and technically, is going to cause problems. But after going 50 minutes with Yola Romero, no one will beat Rob Whitaker. <laughs> no one will beat Rob Whitaker at middleweight. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. He's younger than I thought as well, Rob. Who does he? Oh, um, I, I thought that to be fair. I think if I, he's just about 30, I think. Let's just have a little double check. You know, I think the best thing to do is to is to check what you're going to say before you say it rather than after you say it. Um, but, yeah, I think um, in the opposite way that I was surprised that um, this prospect, Adesanya, is already 30. But, yeah, um, Adesanya is two years older than Whitaker. He's only 28. Interesting. I was a bit vacant yeah. there. I was. I instantly went to check my Instagram, see if I had someone used to share, but I don't. So. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, we'll quickly get onto the other big story, in my opinion, of the week, which is BJ Penn getting flatlined at Cedar Pub. Yeah. Obviously, he slipped. <laughs> <laughs> I saw someone suggest that actually it, it was just a a glass of water in the face or a, a drink thrown yeah. in the face. But he's yeah, it's kind stop, of, he? you think about face. this guy, he's got a professional MMA fight coming up. And the other guy was bigger than him, but he's just been sparked by a nobody. Yeah. And he's going to fight against a professional MMA fighter. The best thing for VJ Penn now is disappear into the shadows for say a year, maybe two years, come back and try and get a job on Fox. Let everything blow over and mm. then try and get a job on, on Fox, I mean. Just uh, turn into the the pundit side of things, TV side of things. Because he's fighting, we all know that he's not getting anything left. Everyone is pleading him for his friend to retire. So, the best thing to do is just hang it up, become a pundit, or just become a coach, but just don't fight again, whether that's in a cage or in a club. Yeah. Yeah, it seems to be, uh, you know, a bit of a problem for him, doesn't it? He goes out, has a few too many. (laughs) <laughs> and he gets involved in a fight so it's like the second time this year isn't it that something's come out of him same thing um, the past few months really yeah and he's uh, he's obviously not got very good friends around him look at his pull out the phones instead of trying to uh, back him up <laughs> yeah I mean you should uh, I mean he's he's got it seems like he goes out with this big fellow who's, uh, who is, who's his help um, but he doesn't necessarily uh, seem to do a very good job of it <laughs> The best help they can give him is not in a fighting sense. The best help that you can get, he can provide, is just preventing the fight in the first place. Pull him aside and just tell him, like, behave. Mm. Yeah. 
mean, that's what good hit would be. Rehab. Yeah. But it's a shame to see someone like that. I mean, obviously he was champion in the past, and you know, I don't know if he'll, I don't know, for for a relatively brief period in his career, I guess overall he was uh, arguably one of the greatest. So, but now he's nearly level wins and losses, and he's uh, fighting people in the pub. It's a shame. It is a shame. Yeah. It's, a, it's sad to see it, but you wonder how much of it is, you know, people always talk about brain injuries and stuff, and, you know, I don't know if we can alleviate his blame like that, but, you know, so <laughs> it's kind of like you wonder what effect that kind of thing is, is having on someone in that way. Um, obviously, there's never an excuse for, for doing that kind of thing, but, you know. It's true, though. It's like, it, it does question, doesn't it, like how the... If there is like any damage to the brain or what, the taking knocks. He's took how many knocks to the head? How many? If you put how many significant strikes he's took to the head since he started fighting it, it'd be off the scale. I'm I'm sure with like mm. loads of other fighters as well, it must yeah. must come in. I mean, it's obviously not as bad as you know the boxing where they can take you know yeah. hundreds in one because it's twelve rounds long or ten rounds long, and obviously they are there's more shots because you can. You, know, you can not damage your hand as easily, but yeah, yeah I know um, it must be, if, especially when someone's lose. What's he lost now? Seven in a row, eight in a row. Yeah, um, and you know he's obviously not landing too many in his favour, and so he's been knocked out a lot of the time as well. So yeah, for, for sad to see. He looked okay in the Klee Guida fight. I thought for, for, for like a round. Yeah, and then do you think Klee Guida is also? Over the hill, yeah, <laughs> getting there. Yeah, and he he got he got finished quite comfortably by Jim Miller as well, didn't he? So he and he's quite old as well. So, yeah. Jim Miller's had a bit of a kind of career resurgence recently. It's interesting to see. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I've been given the green light by Eric Anders, so I think we should add them into the call and get this wee interview on the road. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go. See, that's kind of awkward part of what you're trying to answer. I'll just edit that out of the actual finished product. Just. Singing Ross in these little intermissions. <laughs> Hello. Hi, how you doing? Afternoon. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Uh, gonna have a nice chat for a little while. Yeah, it's really um, great to have you on. My pleasure. So basically, we'll just we'll start straight away. Um, so back in a few years back, obviously you started off playing football, and I just wanted to ask, what was the main thing that kind of inspired you to swap from football to mixed martial arts? When I got done playing football, you know, I, I found myself doing the regular nine to five thing, just you know, working, coming home, work, go home, work, go home, and just you know, I just felt like my life was like on repeat. So I just, you know, found myself bored and frustrated and, uh, you know, went to a gym and, you know, I was really just looking to exercise and blew off a little steam and, uh, man, started sparring and fell in love with it and, uh, you know, just let it go. Definitely, yeah. Were you undefeated as an amateur, didn't you? What was that? Were you undefeated as an amateur? No, I was like 19-3-1 and one as an amateur. <laughs> It's still quite an impressive record, and obviously... It's quite a lot of amateur fights, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like well, I, I have no experience in combat sports, so I wanted to make sure I got a 
a good look at every scenario and uh, different kind of opponents. And then also, you know, I used to fight at 205 and then uh, made the decision to fight at 85, so I wanted to make that cut a few times uh, before I turned professional. So did you have any experience with any martial arts before then, like before you got sick of the job and did you like to do it when you were I, a teenager? Or? I got JV level uh, wrestling, JV level high school, so not very much at all. So you're, you're a brown belt in, uh, in jiu-jitsu. How, mm-hmm. long, did it, how yeah. long does it take you to get that? That's I obviously quite a, a high achievement. Yeah, I've been training in all uh, about eight years, so... You, know, you start off with day one with your white belt, so you know, about eight years. Are you aiming to get that black belt, or are you uh, you're not so bothered anymore? Yeah, you know, the black belt is definitely a, a milestone on the journey, so uh, and definitely looking forward to, to putting that around my waist one day. Yeah, it's one of the things with the with it's kind of like when when your um when your coach decides to give it to you, isn't it? It's not. Like, you can't grade like you do in a lot of other martial arts where you've got sort of a test and you pass it and then you get your belt. It seems a lot more kind of on the feel, so you almost don't know when it's going to come. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and to be honest, you know, you know, you prefer it that way. I prefer it that way because you can study for the test, you know what I mean? But, you know, yes. as uh, somebody's watching you from a, like a teacher or a coach standpoint, you know, they're already there, so they already know the level, they already know what they're looking for. Uh, so you just got to kind of grow into that, to that mold, you know. Yeah, it's like, um, like you've, um, it's like your coach knows everything about you, if you know what I mean. It's like a, I don't know, it's more than just, it's like he gets a feeling about you and that's almost like, almost more rewarding in a way, because it comes along when you're not, you know, you don't necessarily expect it. And, yeah, and, nice you know, feeling, I'm sure. you kind of feel like you earn it more, I feel like, you know. So, um, as you, when you started your professional career, you kind of fought around some of the regional circuits, and then, obviously, you got a fight with Bellator, won it in 23 seconds through a TKO. Uh, one of the questions I had was, why didn't you continue to fight with Bellator? What happened there? What made the move to LFA happen? Man, you know, after I fought that fight, you know, I went up. You know, backstage, saw uh, Scott Coker and was like, what's up? Uh, you know, appreciate the opportunity, blase, blase. And he was like, uh, uh, which fighter are you? And I was like, dang. <laughs> 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 you know, I tried to do my, my, uh, my, my, you know, my politicking or whatever, but, um, I don't know, for whatever reason, they, it was just a one fight thing. And, you know, it is what it is. And, uh, you know, now I'm in the UFC, so. It's not stopped your um, career trajectory, has it? You've kept on track, haven't you? Getting into the big league. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the uh, I think the UFC is the pinnacle of the sport. You know, definitely has the highest level fighters in the uh, deepest divisions, I think. So, uh, to be a part of the organization and have the opportunity to work my way up is, uh, you know, pretty cool. So, so you want to, you want um the belt in LFA. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, that must have been a really good feeling, and you must have had a good experience with LFA. How does that sort of lower um, promotion compare to uh, 
somewhere like the UFC, not just in the level of fighters, but kind of in general and your experience? I mean, I, to me, it was like the the best move because like it introduces you to like high level fighters, but not necessarily like world beaters or whatever, you know. Uh, the dude I fought for the belt is now in the UFC. He's going to make his debut and the guy he fought in LFA is in the UFC. And, you know, there's a lot of people that come from, uh, LFA. I think it's just a good way to kind of get you used to, uh, the brighter lights. And then, you know, obviously there's none brighter than the UFC. It's also uh, on TV as well, isn't it? Well, it's on Fight Pass, isn't it? So you, you know, you get, start getting an audience a bit more kind of around the world almost rather than just, you know, on American TV or, you know, I don't know. Um, yeah, a lot of this stuff don't even get your, on TV. Uh, yeah, it definitely broadens your reach, uh, especially on a national level. So, um, man, LFA is awesome, man. And uh, I think there's more fighters in the UFC from LFA. So, you know, there's a reason for that. I was going to ask, after you won the LFA title, did you kind of, did you have a feeling that you were going to get a call from the UFC? Uh, I knew it was coming, but I didn't know it would be coming that fast. You know, uh, I didn't even get a chance to defend it. I took a short notice fight against uh, Rafael Natal. Rafael Natal. So, you know, uh, I know as far as that middleweight division, every guy that's had the belt has gone to the UFC. So, you know. So, what was it like getting that call? How was the? How did it, you know? How, what was the process of going getting into the UFC? How did that work out? I, I mean, I think uh, Hoppy Undertow probably lost three opponents. I think I was the fourth opponent for him. And, uh, man, they just gave me the call. You know, it was like, you know, I'm ready. So how and, long uh, before the fight was the call? Uh, I think it was like 10 days. That's crazy. And then, obviously, you, you won in, like, quite devastating fashion, really, first-round knockout. Must have felt good. Yeah, man, you know, just from, uh, just from the jump, just from, uh, you know, whenever, uh, you know, the referee said, uh, go, man, I just knew that I belonged, uh, I knew that I could do it, and, you know, it was just up to me to go do it, so, uh, I went and did it. Knockouts are quite popular with you, and, and the octagon is strange, you don't, you think of like Eric Anders, you don't think of a high level uh, grappler guy, but you've got one submission on your belt, eight knockouts. Do you prefer to get a knockout, even though you are a high level uh, grappler? Uh, man, you know, I, I just take the fights as they go. If they end up on the ground, I'm cool. Uh, but, you know, they start standing, so, you know. Uh, you go for the knockout. Yeah, just, you know, take it how it goes. You've done that a couple of times, and you've taken short notice fight because you you took I think Thiago Santos on a very short notice as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Obviously, uh, that didn't end up in the result you wanted, but obviously, I guess the UFC are then impressed by your kind of uh, willingness. To, I mean, obviously, you went up as well. Um, did that kind of lead to more opportunity taking that on short notice? Um. Man, you know, they just think that, you know, it's no secret that I like to fight. And, uh, you know, sometimes you got to roll the dice. And uh, that's what I did with Thiago. And, uh, you know, 
Uh, I did lose, but I, I think my stock went up, uh, fan yeah. base went up. So, yeah, I took a loss, but I also won a lot in that too. So, it was a great fight. Won it, fight of the night, winner won it as well. Oh, that that always makes it hurt a little bit less. You get yeah. a little extra money for it. Yeah, I've got a bonus. Yeah, there's what less ways to uh, to be on the wrong end. To, to be in front of that um, Brazilian crowd, what was it like to face the to fight the hometown guy in front of the Brazilian fans on six days notice? What was that kind of atmosphere like? Ah, uh, man, you know, I think the Brazilian fans didn't give it to me full force. I think they just, uh, you know, kind of respected what I had did and stepping up and taking a fight. So, yeah, you know. Uh, but man, I think the uh, Brazilian fans are the most passionate uh, fight fans on the planet, though. Do you think they had any sort of uh, influence in your decision against Mashida? Man, maybe, you know, I don't know. You know, I think I could have done a lot more and made that less of a closer fight. So, you know. Yeah. Um, it seems to be a lot of people, um, you know, most of the people in the press seem to think that you'd won and done enough. I feel like I won, you know, but, you know. It is what it is. The judges said no, so no, it is what it is. How does the um, how does the crowd factor in when you're in the cage? Obviously, they're, they're very hostile, aren't they? The Brazilian crowd, aren't they? I, sometimes you, some people say they're quite intimidating. <laughs> um, would you agree with that, or do you think, or do you like relish it? Does it get you going a bit more? Um, you've got everyone against you, kind of. Man, I enjoy it. You know, I like the hostile territory. I like the hostile environment. Yeah, uh, people. You know, I, I feel like that's how it should be when you know, uh, when you go away. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you're like getting into the lion's den almost, isn't it? You, you know, yeah. you're in that guy's backyard and you're the enemy almost. Different kind of adrenaline on adrenaline, and I imagine. Yeah, you know, just like of a different soccer team. You know, came to your home team, uh, home team stadium. Man, you yeah. wouldn't. You nobody know. wins. Nobody wins in my team stadium. <laughs> <laughs> um, Isn't that right, Corley? So, um, Eric, you went on a after the Thiago fight, you lost your next two, uh, but then obviously you bounced back in great fashion against uh, Castro, the first round knockout. How did it feel to kind of? get that win back because obviously there's a bit of a stigma around going three fights at a win it's kind of thin ice what people think but how does it feel to get that win back and get back in the win column yeah man you know it feels great you know every time you step in there you want to win man there's a lot that goes into these fights and uh you know to come up with the loss you know it's uh it's not the best feeling in the world so mm. uh you know it feels good to uh you know, right the ship, get back, and, uh, man, looking to continue my, uh, make it two fights, um, in October. And also, there's another one where you, where you got, where you picked up another nice little bonus, which can't hurt as well. Double bonus of, uh, the victory and also performance of the night. I suppose it's usually oh, yeah. knockout of the night, isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. Those are always, uh, appreciated, uh, you know. So this, this fight you got in, I do my best to get him every time I fight. This fight you got in October against uh, Mirshart, is that, you know, 
I know there's been a, a few rumblings about is that official, is that done, and you know, we can yeah, talk about happened. that. Yeah, 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 it's happened. So obviously he's another high-level um, jiu-jitsu. He's obviously, he's got his black belt and he win, wins a hell of a lot of his fights um, by submission. So how, what's your game plan going into this into that fight with that opponent? Uh, you know, my game plan is the same, man. You know, to, uh, you know, go in there, box his ears. And, uh, you know, if it goes to the ground, I'm comfortable. So, you know. What, what made the decision to drop back down to 185? What kind of helped you make that call that it was time to move back down again? Man, I, I just prefer the weight class. I know there's fewer like heavyweights, but man, those guys are tall and they're really big. So um, I think that uh, for my skill level and where I'm at and what attributes I need to use to best give me the chances of winning is at middleweight. So do you see, do you see yourself, you know, how, you know, obviously you do, you believe in yourself and you think, you know, you're going to sort of challenge for the title. You know, what kind of, you know, how far away do you think you are from being able to, to sort of be in the contention and be talking about that kind of, the belt? You know, I think a uh, three or four fight uh, streak against the right people will put me right up there. So, you know. I'm not going to start that October 12th. So obviously you can fight at 205 quite comfortably. Uh, when, t- when you talk about title fights, would you rather face one, like, I suppose Robert Whitaker, or would you ever like to fight against John Jones at 205? Well, uh, I, you know, I think my chances are better with uh, Robert Whitaker. And, you know, like I said, you know, I'm finding 85 is just about cutting weight properly uh, to get there. So, you know. Yeah, so Jones is so, so tall as well. All that, yeah. So. so uh, when you fight uh, Mirsha in October, uh, obviously you're talented standing up, also talented on the ground. If you're to call it now, where do you see the fight taking place? Do you want to stand and strike with him, or would you rather take him down and grapple a bit? Um. Man, you know, I, I think the fight takes place where I want it to take place. I don't think he's going to be able to take me down. Um, and I don't think he's going to be able to outbox me. So, uh, most likely the fight is going to stay on the feet. Have you got a prediction for how the fight ends? Uh, you already know I'm looking for the finish uh, every time I step in the cage. So, uh, I touch him a few times, he ain't going to be there no more. You expecting to get this one out of the out of the cage by the end of the first? That's the plan. That's the plan. Yeah, so I don't think he's been really tested, has he, by a by a proper by a proper striker yet? Uh, him and Thiago have fought. No, of course. Well, you know, I mean, in terms of victories, you know, I don't know if he's won against uh, the. Uh, no, I don't think so. Yeah. But he's got a hell of a lot of. Uh, Submission victories, so so you you'll be working on your submission defense. Oh, absolutely. You know he he really likes to attack the neck, so um, you know you best protect your neck. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully we see a, a win column back in the win column for you then, because obviously, uh, you know. 
one of our very first guests on the podcast, and we always support the guys that come onto our onto our podcast. So hopefully we see you with the performance bonus as well. Oh man, appreciate it so much. I need that. Um, I was going to ask. Obviously, you're a big um, Alabama guy. Would you like to have you ever spoke to Dana or anyone about bringing an event to Alabama and maybe headlining it or even getting on the cars at least? Because it's, uh, it's been quite a while. Man, you know, I, I put those feelers out. You know, uh, Walt Harris, who also trains at my gym in Birmingham, is uh, on fire right now and he's fighting in December against Overeem. So I think if uh, both of us pick up uh, these wins uh, this fall and winter, uh, they'll definitely take us seriously. So it's possible. Well, yeah, yeah. having having these wins, these guys on on your records, the only help. Yeah, big names. Yeah. Yeah. What, what was the atmosphere like in the gym after what Harris got that massive knockout against Olenek? That must have been quite special for everyone. Oh, uh, man, it was awesome. And, uh, you know, I'm fortunate enough to, uh, you know, me and my kids and uh, his family were there to, to, to witness that. So it was pretty cool. That was an incredible performance, I think. I did actually, we recorded the podcast before that event, and I did call Harris for the first round knockout, but I didn't think it would be so yeah, impressive. Yeah, like seconds that. is pretty quick. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, it was um, brutal, yeah. Um, put him, he put his, he put himself on the map, didn't he? You know, he really uh, kind of everyone opened their eyes and kind of Walt Harris is one to watch. Yeah, yeah, I think so, Overeem's uh, huge. I, I think he's more than capable of getting it down against Overeem as well. So, and after that, when if he beats Overeem, after that, sorry, if he beats Overeem, then it's definitely got to be looking at the top two or three guys in that division. So. Could be bringing a belt back to Alabama, potentially. Man, that'd be really cool. So, uh, well, maybe I, you know, he's got, all the to- he's got all the tools to, to do it. So, you know, uh, I think he'll take advantage of all his opportunities and, uh, you know, yeah. get it done. So, I don't think we've got any more questions, Matt McCauley. Um, I have used all my questions out. Yeah, I think uh, I think we're mm-hmm. good. We've covered the, uh, the the upcoming fight, which is the the big thing at the moment. Um, obviously, <clears throat> everyone likes to get a bit of insight into a, an upcoming fight. So yeah, I think we. Well, Eric, we appreciate you coming on. Won't keep you much longer than we have to. So I uh, appreciate your time and hopefully get you on again soon. Yeah, appreciate it, guys. Anytime. Best yeah, of luck. Yeah, definitely. Good luck in your fight. Thank you. All right. Thank you for talking to you. See you later. And that, that was Eric Anders, if you want. That was an interesting one. Well, he's, um, hopefully, uh, you know, I would like to see a bit of a, you know, a good fight. I, I like both of the fighters. Um, me and Shaw, I like his, uh, BJJ skills and obviously Anders has got a good, uh, good knockout power. So hopefully it'll make for a good fight and. Yeah, I've really not seen much of uh, Mirshar at all. I've watched a good few in this fight. I've watched most of them, to be honest, because I know what the, what's the type of fight he brings, but I've really barely seen much of Mirshar at all, if I'm honest. Yeah, just so you uh, kind of um, highlight real submissions, and he's uh, he does take some shots, so he, he is, I think he's open, open for a finish, and 
Yeah, I think uh, if any, I think I, I, I would pick. I, I would pick Anders to win. I think. Um, cool. Before well, that's without having him on as uh, as one of the yeah. guests. One over Andre in round two. Right, yeah, I might go for a bit of a head kick, to be honest. Oh, I, I forgot one of my questions, man. Just <laughs> when <laughs> you said head kick, I wanted to, I wanted to ask about that. Um, Sky Williams, I knocked out Williams with a head kick. Tim Williams. Uh, what is the fight just before this Tiago fight? Uh, hmm. Williams, this one where Williams on the deck, and as he was getting back up, Anders just caught him with a, a soccer kick to the face. Ah. Oh. That's like the one I did not want to miss. <laughs> I forgot to ask. <laughs> oh, um, never mind. The, basically, the, the big story that we didn't speak about before he came on is Rumble Johnson has officially announced that he's coming back at heavyweight. Yeah. I mean, he, need, he must need some money. going to get smashed. He's not going to get any in here. He's going to get smashed. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Well, it depends how you give him at first. I mean, I, I saw um, people were saying Ganu, but to give him Ganu would be totally pointless. Overeem, I think. He wants Overeem, doesn't he? I think Overeem would be a good fight, but I think Overeem will smash him. I just think to take a big name like that at heavyweight, I know he's fought in like how many divisions? Welterweight, middleweight, light heavyweight. I know he's fought in them all, but he's not fought in how long now? I know he's been training and getting bulkier, fair enough, but I don't know. I just don't see him. I don't think he'll trouble the top five. Um, like I don't think I he'll don't. get to the top five ranking. I don't. Uh, I think he's like, and he's also he's not going to be in. He's not going to be back in the game for very long either, is he? No, I think he just wants to come back for the money fights, Tony. Which fair enough. Give but him uh, DC again. Give him Greg Hardy. That's a good fight. That's a brilliant fight. That actually could happen. Hardy is going for top one. They're both unranked, aren't they? So, yeah, yeah, you know, it's it's one that could happen. Um, we're coming back at thirty-five, um, when you haven't fought for what since what two thousand seventeen? It's not that long, I suppose. But he lost, um, obviously against DC. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. He's obviously very. You know, he wins a lot of performance of the nights because he. Smashes people everywhere with a with a massive uh, with a massive knockout. But I think mm. when it came to the top the top guys at the time, like he fought Belfort when Belfort was at his best and he lost. And obviously he's fought DC twice, and like obviously DC has his number. But yeah, I don't know. I'm looking at It'd be interesting to see at least. I'm watching the rankings right now, and I'm thinking who. I would back him to get a win against because in the top five I've got DC and Ganu, GDS, Curtis Blades and Derek Lewis. No, uh, he might well he probably beat Lewis, you know. Yeah, I think I'd back him to beat Lewis as well. To be honest, that's Carly a bit. But then Lewis is is kind of unfairly ranked that highly. I in mean, my opinion, Volkov is six and he knocked knock his brain off. So I mean. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I suppose it's it, maybe it's just the um, the the lack of depth is quite clear, isn't it? Really? Yeah, DC looks like a train station when DC fought. To be honest with you, mm. um, and obviously uh, you would have you know Stipe would beat him, and uh, I don't know. 
I actually at first I saw that he was coming back I thought Walt Harris would be a good fight for him but then I totally forgot about the fact he was fighting over him so yeah. <laughs> that rules out on it yeah I think well Kimo Vasquez is still in the rankings but I think there's he's got to come back he's got yeah, yeah I don't see him coming back either he's got oh. another few fights in his wrestling contract like his professional wrestling contract so I can see him taking that route now for the rest of his like athletic career yeah I'd say so I don't um I don't see him coming back to this. I mean, he's he's only he had a very short career altogether, really, didn't he? To be honest, um, yeah, it did. So, I mean, I don't know if it was ever something he wanted to stay in for a long time, or I don't know. I mean, you never know. If he wasn't still, plagued with like so many injuries, then things could have been different. But the injuries really kind of hindered his career. Yeah. I mean, looking at this, if Johnson comes back in some sort of shape. Yeah, he probably uh, he probably could sneak into the top five. Definitely, yeah. Uh, not to move on so fast, but I've had another fight announced quite recently. We've got Carlos Condit coming back against Mickey Go. Yeah, I don't. Uh, a lot of people come back when they shouldn't. <laughs> Do you think it's time for Condit to hang up as well? Um, I th- I don't think he'll win. But do you think it's time to talk about retirement? I don't know. I kind of think if you if you are a kind of if you're in the fight game and you're you know you were once at a level to be um, fighting for um, championships and obviously he was the WEC champion um, at welterweight and I kind of think that if you are challenging for for world class belts at one point in your career and now you're 35 and we're talking about the fact that you're probably going to lose to Mickey Gall I wonder about you know it's not necessarily that he should retire because he's too old and he's rubbish and whatever it's because he's not but it's 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 kind of like a you know you're obviously not at the level that you once were and you're never going to be again so at this point, so, it's about just prevent, prevent, preserving your health for as long as possible and not taking well, it's any. Like, it's like, what are, you, what are you fighting for? What's your ambition now? Yeah, at this point, it's got to be just make as much money as you can before calling it a day, really. Yeah. I mean, I, I can understand that. I mean, I'm sure I'd do the same in, in this position. Um, I'm just thinking from a purely sporting point of view. You know, yes. Apart from him enjoying himself, doing what he loves to do. You know, it's, it's not something that's going to be a mover and shaker in any... In the di- in the division, is it? So yeah, definitely. Yeah, I agree with that. He's also <laughs> lost uh, five in a row, I think. Yeah, he, he really struggled against Kiesa, um, and it. I mean, Kiesa had a much better kind of wrestler and all around has a better all round grappling than Mickey Gall, but I can see Mickey Gall probably trying to implement the same type of game plan against Condit because it is kind of his game as well. Yeah, so, I mean, looking back, he has. Two wins in his last ten. No, oh, I didn't know it was that bad. Yeah, I mean, I know. I mean, to be fair, some of those people include Tyron Woodley, Saint Pierre, um, Lawler, Damian Meyer. Yeah. So I mean, it's not like he's losing to nobody. He's, um, but he's, uh, you know, he's on, he's on a bad run. I think it's fair to say. Definitely. Um, I think we've got, there's, there's two more kind of stories that I'd like to kind of cover and then we'll just wrap it up. Um, we've had uh, Gregor Gillespie um, make a call out. He wants to fight Anthony Pettis uh, in the MSG card. So. Yeah. 
I, I can only assume it would be one fifty five, which would mean Pets would have to move back down again. Yeah, I don't see him doing it. Me either. I mean He seems to be enjoying himself. I mean I know he hasn't he lost last time out, but you know, he seems to be enjoying the being a bit heavier and not having to cut so much and seems to have ignited in his passion again a little bit. Yeah, you never know. Yeah. Depends on the money, of course, and obviously it's Madison Square Garden. I don't, which I don't is always a draw. With the broken foot that he suffered against Diaz, like I don't see him coming back early enough from MSG either. Well, that's true. We're only three months off now, aren't we? Yeah, to get like he's going to need a full camp. Yeah, exactly. To heal a broken foot, get back to kind of training health, then train, and all that sort of thing. I don't see it happening. I mean, Gregor Gillespie is uh, one of those guys who is. So under the radar, it's unreal, considering how good he is. I've actually not seen much of him either, to be honest, either. So yeah. I think I think he's a, a future challenger, if not champion, probably. I would, I'd back him to get the belt at some point in his career. Yeah, if he but people, well, he'd lose now, probably. Oh, yeah. With some more experience, though, he'd, he'd give him a chance. Yeah. I mean, he's. I mean, he's not young necessarily. He's older than Khabib, but it's just kind of. In terms the, of his fighting career, the, yeah, yeah the, the career experience he's got. Yeah. Obviously, he's thirteen and zero. He's equally good by knockout or submission, and he just. I've never seen. Um, his, uh, the the last fight he was he was booed. Um. Yeah. Because he not... was a wrestler in Cian Medeiros, wasn't it? I think and. Um, on the Cejudo Dillashaw card in New York. So he's from that area and it was a home guard, but they booed him anyway. But I've never seen anyone, you know, dominate the uh, the ring so the, the cage as much as he can. Obviously, you know, that's a bit hyperbolic, but his um, you know his cage control and everything like that is is just really up there as an elite level, I think. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him lift up a belt. In his uh, in his career, yeah, me either. Definitely, he's got from what I have seen of him, he does clearly have a lot of talent, and he's definitely one to watch for kind of the next year or so. Yeah. Um. So the last kind of story I want to touch on is the the amount of fighters who've been to, well not told but advised by the California State Athletic Commission that they should move up in weight class. Um, yeah. That's the names like Manny Manny Bermudez, Brandon Davis, Sabina Mazo, and Sadiq Yusuf. As among also, Paulo um, Costa as well. Paulo Costa, the yeah. main one, yeah. Yeah, so. it's crazy. Um, no, it's not crazy because obviously there's rules about how much weight you can gain for the actual fight night itself. Yeah. Um, but as far as I know, that only means the California won't grant them a, li- a license at that. Yeah, I think they just go again. anywhere else. So it's not really going to affect them too much. They just have to not put on so much next time they get. A fight in California if they get put on a California card again. Who knows? And with Costa actually being within touching distance of the belt, he's, there's no chance he's going to move up to the 205 now. Like, he's got to stay at middleweight and have, like, at least finish this title run that he's on. Yeah, I think so. He's going to get a shot, isn't he? Um, probably within the next year or so. He's, he seems like he's on that. Maybe he needs a, another win just because of the timing. Um, with yeah. those guys not fighting. It'd be harsh. I mean, who else could fight that weight? I mean, like, who was Gaston like number two? Yeah, yeah, it's more about the weight until the next time that they can fight, I suppose. Um, but the gap isn't that big, I suppose. I think you'll wait. Um, but we're looking at 
we're looking at six months, aren't we, for after M two four four. Yeah. Not two, no, not oh, two four four. We're looking six months after that, and obviously that's not for another six weeks or so. It's gonna be good, that isn't it? Yeah, yeah Costa is um yeah, Costa could cause trouble in a title fight at that weight. It's just it's, it's pressure. I mean, it, it does seem to get kind of... It shows signs of being fatigued, but it doesn't seem to hinder him too much when he fights. It's strange. Yeah, he also um, gets... Um, you know, he, he takes shots. I mean, people put him down. Yeah, that Romero knocked him. was quite funny. That, that, was, that was class, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> Look! Has anyone done that before? I don't know. Isn't this yeah. But then I suppose at the same time that that Romero win people don't huge. necessarily think it was fair. I think it's it's one of those things that you you see people are either yeah, he put forward pressure, he was a lot more you know, he's on the front foot a lot more than Romero was, but Romero's game is to, to be on the back foot, but yeah. at the same time there's people who think that Romero landed the better shots so he should have won and you know, it's it's one of those wins where if the judges had picked either, you couldn't really complain too much. Yeah. Uh, but it's his only... He's beaten Johnny Hendricks, <laughs> but that doesn't count because of the, the, the time in Hendricks' career. Yeah, of course. And, um, you know, the, Romero's his first big win in that way. And, so and, Yeah, to be honest, yeah. But at least... It, the way he beat, if he went out and stopped Romero, like the first round knockout, it'd have been a bit more like, yeah, well, could have just got him, but the fact that he did hang with Romero for the full, the full fight, he showed that he is more than capable of competing at that level, so. Oh, yeah, for sure. Never know. <coughs> yeah. He's one of those two guys, him and, <coughs> him and Yoel could quite comfortably fit into a five division. Yeah, definitely. Could very much follow the nine. I, I don't see Romero, even though he's kind of getting on, he's like 42, I think. I don't see him retiring anytime soon. No, he's built like a monster, isn't he? He's just, uh, yeah. he's in such good shape. Oh, one of the other names on that list that um really, he's one of my favourite fighters right now, Sadiq Yusuf. Uh, I don't see him moving up either, to be honest with you. I mean, I know it's just recommendations. It's not like they're saying, like, go up, but... The well, same. they won't grant a licence, will they, at that weight in California? Uh, I'm not sure it's even as, as extreme as that. I think it's just, they're basically saying... Next time, just get up. Because, I mean, yeah, it just says recommended to move up and wait. They're not, they're not saying, like, you have to. It's yeah. just a recommendation. Um, yes, like, a lot of these guys in the list, and Sabina, Mazo, um, are people that are either in title contention already or they're getting close to it. So, there's no point telling someone, like, so close to their dream, like, let's move up and start again. Like, none of them are going to do it. No, yeah. that's true. No, they just fight somewhere else. I mean, they can't fight. They can't fight in California. They're not, they are banned until cleared. Mm. But they just fight somewhere else. It's not. I mean, to be honest, Manny Bermudez is a joke. I mean, he couldn't make the 135. And not only he couldn't make 135, he came into the cage over 160. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's supposed, he's supposed to be fighting at 135 when the fight was agreed. When I guess to Casey that, Kenny. Yeah. Casey Kenny agrees to do it at 140 out of the goodness and he ends up winning against a guy who on the night was over 20 pounds heavier than him. When it gets to that sort of level then I think kind of 
there should be a unified like, governing body instead of all these different uh, just commissions. If that was the case, then they could just say, look, like we won't grant you another license to fight in that way. You must move up. That yeah. would probably do a lot of good. Federalism. Yeah. Also, as well, if there was just one big unified kind of governing body, then we wouldn't have this kind of confusion sometimes of like, has this state adopted the new rules? Like, yeah. what about hands touching the man and things like that? We wouldn't have any of these problems. It'd just be there's one solid, concrete kind of MMA yeah. constitution. <laughs> That's it. And then obviously you had um, like the John Jones, the picogram came up, so they moved him from Las Vegas to um, to California at the last second. Yeah, and, and like that, that wouldn't have been able to happen, would it? I think it'd just make for a lot smoother. Like everything would run a lot nicer instead of having so much kind of so many different people to deal with and different rules here and there. It makes things a lot easier. Bit of a sport around, I think. In all the time I've been watching, I've never seen them use the video replay. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I don't see them ever doing that because then there'd be so much backlash if I got it wrong. Because they always say it has to be for a, a fight in the sequence. So if the ref yeah. calls it wrong and brings it to a replay, and what happens? Is it no contest? If like, see, I don't see the problem in in looking at the like like VAR in footy. Yeah. I don't see the problem in looking. Was that actually an eye poke? Just uh, you tell me. Was that an eye poke? Yeah. Well, it's like, like, it takes a few seconds. Just yeah, it was. Yeah. All I have to do is call time. Check the replay. If you got it wrong, then just okay, start time again. If he gets yeah. it right, then take action. Like it's not that hard. No. Um, I think probably that's that's really. Um, so shall we just uh, one one like this is probably going to be our last one before UFC Shenzhen. Yes, yes. At the weekend. Um. So how we how do we see the main event going down there? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I think I think the safe bet. In my opinion, is a Andrade knockout, but I wouldn't be against seeing uh, Wei Lai Zhang. I'm not sure you pronounce that. I'm sure I'm butchering both their names to be honest. But <laughs> you know, Wei Lai Zhang, I can see her getting the decision also. So I'm kind of got a toss up there. Jessica Andrade. Yeah, Andrade. Andrade and, uh, Andrage. Andrage and uh, Zhang Wei Li. I think I think Wei Li is a beast, and I think she'll win. And I don't think it'll be one of those things where we're talking about Chinese judges either. I think it will be a, a win, either comfortably decision or she might even finish her. I think she's just... People talk about the size and strength of Andrade, but you put them together. Weili Zhang's arms are like twice the size. She's an absolute... Yeah. She's just crazy strong, crazy skilled. 19-1. and one. I know most of that's been in like Kunlun fight and that kind of thing, but you know, I think she's uh, she's... She's got it. I think she might end up with the belt. She could and do in, in a in a non controversial fashion. That's quite a fast trajectory as well, isn't it? She is like three or four fights deep if that in her contract. Yeah. Uh, she's ranked six I think and you know, obviously was people were talking about well why is she getting it and Dana said, Well, because she's fighting someone else, she's fighting someone else, she's fighting someone else, you know, she's the highest one available. It doesn't make sense. I mean especially a big card in China coming up, it made sense just to throw a Chinese fighter in the main event and yeah, and the co-main event as well as a Chinese fighter, um, Jing Yang against uh, Eligio dos Santos. I like that fight, to be honest. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> Jing Liang, so he said, I think I, I think I back him to get to get the win. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, I like. I, think... I like there are a couple of good, a couple of good um, talents. I think. 
Um, but you know, Zalewski does Santos is always capable as well. So it, it should be. It might be the fight of the night that one. Yeah, I can see it fitting the. It always seems when there's a, a big or any card really. No one ever kind of calls the the main event to be fate the night. There's always one kind of hidden a little bit further down. Yeah. Even the Kobe there's always spot. something a little bit more because it's a five five round fight. You kind of have a little bit more caginess to begin with when you're trying to feel each other out, and yeah. especially when when a title's on the line as well, you take a little bit more care possibly. Yeah, you and, need to be. You know, maybe maybe it's because of that. I don't know. But, <laughs> I could imagine though when your whole lease of work is built up to this one twenty five minute period of time you, you need to take it be as I can only imagine how caution how how what's the word how like so careful you're going to be like, yeah you have be, to you have to be cautious you have to that's the word how, why don't think of cautious <laughs> <laughs> you are I guess you've got everything on the line haven't you um, yeah you know, you might never get another shot again so well, try and work out your opponent before you know implementing your own yeah. game plan I suppose yeah. That's pretty much that's episode four in the bag. We've got um, Tom Aspinall recording that on Monday. Yeah, um, hopefully um, he's awake when when we get him on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's uh, Tom Aspinall from Cage Warriors Heavyweight and uh, trains in with Team Calbon yeah. in Liverpool with Darren Till. So hopefully we'll get some interesting stuff from him when we I speak to him on Monday. Oh, was a heavyweight. I think he was one of Till's like main sort of. Go to the partners because Tellers is a massive guy as well. So yeah, I think they kind of bounce off each other quite well. And obviously his last uh, his last fight against uh, I think it was against Bukichu in the fight where he where, where Bukichu broke his leg. Yeah, really nasty broken leg. So maybe we'll get a bit of that from his side of things as well. Um, obviously not in a in a gruesome manner, but it must be quite an experience to have something like that happen to to your opponent. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, so um, look forward to that. Yeah, but anyway, we'll wrap it up here. Um, thank you all for listening. Uh, speak to you again, Matt. Uh, yeah, speak to you soon. And thanks again to uh, to Eric Anders for coming on. Yeah, of course. Um, and I, we got a message from uh, from Corley saying his phone um, cut yes, out. Um, yes, so Corley sends his regards. Yeah. <laughs> right, cheers, everyone. See you later. Take care. All right.